0: Hi there, before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. You really help this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us and as women and people who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation so if you haven't already we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, apple and google or spotify leave us a rating and a review and if you'd like to support us Please had to buy me coffee page to make a donation, which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. I got my dogs on that overnight stay. Yeah, yeah, how was it? The Volunteers Network, like, yeah. They're good. Yeah. 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 how funny is that? The family who looks after Paddington and Jake, Yeah. Uh, they have a Labrador who's Paddington's brother. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yippee, remember yippee? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, Yeah, and the dogs are just like Patty, (laughs) push out dog. Oh, that's so cute. Patty was like I'm looking at the window and trying to jump back in.
1: Oh my god, that's (laughs) so cute. Hey, this is Jessie.
0: Hi, this is Helen.
1: And we are Asian bitches down under, counting down to the days of Christmas. It's now under 10 days, Uh, always a fanatic period, frenetic, Frenetic?
0: fanatic, both
1: period of the year. Um, Helen, you have some funny anecdotes to tell us about this Friday morning.
0: Yeah, so today's the last day of school for my kids. And Mm -hmm. I was dropping off my youngest child, as usual. She's the funniest one. And because over the last day, um... Their gray was uh, permitted to wear Mufti. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love so this. I remember casual, this myself. Yeah. Casual clothes, not uniform, and they're going out to a bowling centre to play a game or two, and then they'll come back in the afternoon. So when we were growing up, you know, Mufti, I didn't know what Mufti stands for when I first saw the this term. And no one told me. I couldn't. I looked up the dictionary. I didn't know what Mufti was. And eventually mm. someone told me that, oh, you don't have to wear uniform that day. Um. Anyway, so my daughter turned up uh, in leggings and t-shirt, her rainbow t-shirt. And then she saw other kids at the car park were wearing uniform. She was worried that she was the only one who was wearing Mufti. You yeah, know right. that kind of feeling that? Yeah, it's always somewhere. horrifying. I know. I remember. I remember this. <laughs> You're thinking, Oh. Am I supposed to wear uniform? And because she wasn't at school yesterday, we went to city yesterday for yes. for other reasons. So she was, she started to get anxious while we were waiting at the lights mm-hmm. and saying that, oh, what if I miss something from yesterday? You know, if they change yeah. the policy of that exactly. we don't wear uniform. And I said, no, nah, that's fine. We, I'm not going to go home and <laughs> change. I'm not going to take you home. Just go in. No one's going to care. It's the last day. And then she saw one of her classmates who was wearing something who, which looked like mufti, but also looks like sports uniform, like right. black shorts and black um, jacket. Mm-hmm. And it was funny that one moment she was so anxious and she was mumbling to herself saying that, oh, what if, you know, everyone's wearing uniform and I'm the only one turned up in colourful T-shirt. And the next minute she kind of um, shouted at that boy saying, Oi, Ollie, <laughs> very Aussie way. Yeah, I didn't expect her to call out like that. Uh-huh. She's like, Wait, Ollie, are we supposed to have mufti today? <laughs> yeah, and that kind of uh, took me off guard because I didn't think that she changed so quickly. Mm. And the boy turned around and said, Oh, yeah, it's mufti today. And she goes, Oh, thank God.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, why were other students wearing uniform?
0: It was only their gray, um, only their stage, stage two, which is year three and year four. Uh-huh. They're allowed to wear mufti because they're going out. Um, right. They, their teachers organized bowling for them. Yeah, for the final day of the school. Wow. They were allowed to wear mufti, whereas um, other greys like um, kindies and years. I do
1: remember um, um, the, the, the very unique and specific and singular kind of anxiety of mufti hmm. days because
0: it You're was not one sure. day
1: of the yeah. year in which you could show your personality
0: yes you know i know yeah and
1: so i remember really fretting about what to wear because you know you only had one or two days a year to show off like i said your personality mm. and um you know like you i i mean helen you were already kind of like gone distant high already by by yeah. the time i was like in high school but um but you would know, kind of. I was not a stylish, but I still am not a. I feel like in my thirties now, I feel like I'm. I'm getting better at style, mm-hmm. but like, um. And we were talking about this last, last night, night when yeah. we went to your son's concert. Yeah. Um, and it was a brilliant concert, and a lot of the women, the, the sorry, not the women, the girl student the female performers, yeah. were so glamorous.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: just, you know, you and I were talking about how. What the fuck were we doing when we were sixteen? You know, <laughs> and you, of course, as always, typical Helen, always with our parents uh, because Helen needs therapy. <laughs> but I was just like, uh yeah, I, I just like, I'm, I just had zero style. Like, I, I must have rocked up with a t shirt and maybe like short skirt or something. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and it might, it might also have been something to do with the times. Like, and you know, I was a kid in the noughties. Um. Uh, the two thousand the early 2000s, and then I was at uni by the 2010s. Um, but, yeah, it was a very distinct time when, I don't know, I don't feel as though the um like the new millennia, I feel like that period of fashion is not very distinctive, you know?
0: I think it's <sighs> – I know that you hate that every time I blame our parents, but I think it's a fact, at least it's for me. I remember distinctively – the year six farewell the graduation you know we oh, had yeah, the yeah. Dinner and then the dance afterwards and mom made me this will never happen again mom made me as a 12 year old to wear a floral skirt. it's not even a short or a skirt mom didn't even allow me to wear a skirt and a christmas t-shirt <laughs> oh yes i remember I yeah you i remember, I remember those pictures woodhead i know without yeah, you for a yeah, t-shirt best yeah i wore a christmas t-shirt and while yeah. other girls were wearing like very pretty Formal, dress, yeah
1: i remember i remember and, and I, like showing showing their um um sleeveless well. yeah, yeah.
0: spaghetti strap um yes yeah, I, I was so out of place i always <laughs> felt out of place. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I always felt out of place. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what to wear. I never knew, like, what was stylish or not. I think at one Mufti during, like, maybe when I was in year 11, I walked up to school in, like, purple jeans.
0: Oh, purple jeans, okay. I mean, there you go.
1: There's my queer sensibility coming out that was being suppressed all those years ago. But, um, yeah, uh, I – um, but for our, my year six formal, I remember – um, I remember – I feel like um, I always felt like a child, even when I was mm. was growing up. Like yeah. I remember, I wore something from, like I think a, a dress that mum bought in Taiwan. And you know those modest Chinese girl Asian pretty dresses that you know they kind of go puffy, to the elbows, puffy sleeves, puffy sleeves, yeah. And they you
0: they, they will have a little like jacket over dresses. it, yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of like doll dresses with little jackets over it. Yeah, very modest, and. Um, kind of princessy and like i remember seeing one of my best friends um sarah lawson who was obviously white and she dressed in the kind of black dress that audrey audrey hepburn wore in um tiffanys
0: first, yeah yeah kind
1: ones. of just kind, kind of like really elegant and like womanly yeah. yeah, like all the white kids looked like a, like they were growing into like become women. Adults, Whereas yeah. Like, honestly, just, uh, up until, yeah, were always, always made to look like children, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, when I look back, I, it's like styles, you know, personality, growing up, all those kind of – but also like um, – also when i was a kid i was very uninterested in fashion like I, even now i i i could i couldn't, you couldn't like, be bothered I, I am so lazy when it comes to fashion i just i i i am happy with just like looking like having a few stable pieces and looking like presentable right but it's i remember like I, mom's dress yeah You're yeah i'm think it would to be. dress more like my mo- mother <laughs> which you know i don't mind my mother is quite stylish like she's you know presentable but um yeah what happened but, to us <laughs> But in, um, like, I think all three of us, like me, you and Lise, we're both very, like, modest and unmaterialistic. But um, when I was a kid, like, I remember whenever we went shopping at Carlo Court, um, I would constantly be told to go back and um, put on something else because I would literally have, like, kind of slacks and, like, a hoodie on. Mm. And, like, I was just always constantly berated Saying that's not like, like my sister would say, like I'm not
0: going out with you if you're dressed like that. Oh I like, really? Yeah, no. yeah. Oh, maybe I wasn't with you guys anymore. No, you, but, you know, yeah.
1: we've established yeah, Helen, you are the black sheep. Long you gone. Like, yeah, long gone by any point <laughs> in my like uh, life growing up. But yeah, um, it was, it was, um, yeah, like I, I know this has turned into a, um, sort of unexpected fashion conversation, <laughs> but I didn't ever think about. I don't know, I feel like um, that conversation was never had
0: when it mm-hmm. comes to,
1: you know, showing your personality we, through yeah. dress.
0: Yeah, I think it, it played a huge part, in, not until like I was in my 30s that I realised that I was raised to be so insecure about my body, even my feet, that I, I couldn't wear sandals when I was in my 20s. And I was only starting to wear bathing suits out in public in late 20s after I had my first child and starting to wear bikini again in my late 20s as well. Not again, I was never I never wore bikini, yeah, mm, so mm. I was like in my late 20s because mum always constantly told me to cover up. Mm. Like you shouldn't be wearing that or you should be wearing long skirt, not short skirt. So I guess something.
1: Wow, that's so need, interesting. You know, every time. therapy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's, the, that's the end of our, that is the conclusion we, um, we land on after every time we talk. Mm. But it's so interesting to talk to you, Helen, because even though you're only six years older than me, mm. um, it feels as though we've had different parents, honestly, mm. because I I probably have, like, sure, I have, like, days where I'm, like, you know, um, hate hate how I look but like when it comes to the body I I don't think I've ever had what you go through you know in Mm -hmm. terms of like the body insecurity stuff yeah it's just so fascinating how you know you can have two different sets of entirely different experiences with the same woman as your mother (laughs) different messages you know I guess by the time I came along she was like yeah she's she's
0: already given up
1: yeah yeah she's like less less of a um Worry ward about, I don't know, sending the right messages, or mm. maybe she just gave up because, yeah, I was like basically raised in Australia. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, should we do something to recommend? Yeah, so
1: this week, um, the end of the year is always busy because, um, well, you know, we don't need to get into that, but, um, I find a great um, as an excuse to go see, you know, performances we haven't had the time to see and friends we haven't been able to catch up with. So this week um, I was invited by a dear friend of mine. Shout out to Susan, who is probably one of the most beautiful-hearted humans I've ever met, um, who invited me to the Belvoirs, uh, The Jungle and the Sea, which is wow. a very, very infamous play. I feel like everyone has been talking about it. When it opened, I think it opened in mid-November. It is right. because um, the the, uh, the director-writer is Eamon Flack and mm-hmm. S. Shaka Ram. Yeah. Um, they did and, a production
0: similar to this earlier. I yeah, think. last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah
1: um, it was called The Crack. Uh, I forget what it's called, but I didn't see that. And this one is basically a family saga that revolves around um, the civil war in um, in Sri Lanka. Okay. Yep. Um, and it uh, jumps decades from 1995 to 2009 to 2022. And I believe this, uh, there were protests that were going on earlier this year in Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka has had this 26, 30-year war. And it's very complicated. I'm not even going to try and explain it here. Um, but I will just stick to kind of talking a little bit about the jungle in yeah. the sea. It is very long. It's two hours and fifty minutes. There were two intervals, um, and it was a packed house. Um, wow. The the last show is a perf- performance is on I believe on Sunday the eighteenth. So um, mm-hmm. if you do have time, I cannot recommend this enough because. Um it's very, very emotional. Um, it's theater at its best really it tells an epic story of love, family um of war and how we cope in times of trouble. um the cast is mostly people that um I spoke to i was glad, hap, I was very lucky enough to speak to one of the musicians They're there's a live. a pair of live musicians who improvise throughout the play on their traditional instruments, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, they're exquisite, and I had the uh, fortune of speaking to one of them later after the show, and she told me that a lot of the cast – there were about um, seven to eight main cast members, and many of them were brought in from overseas, so Bollywood oh, okay. actors, mm-hmm. um, so, um, one from New Zealand, uh, um, many of them from Sri Lanka. So it, it's tremendous, It's mm-hmm. absolutely tremendous. Um, my friend Linda, shout out to Linda, she told me to go see it a few months, uh, I think about a month ago when it opened. I wasn't able to mm-hmm. see it. So I'm very lucky to have seen it, um, and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and it was good to see it, you know, less than a week, within a week of uh, you and I, Helen, going to see another play, uh, mm-hmm. but this time at the Ensemble Theatre. Do you want to tell us about that one?
0: Yeah, so Ensemble Theatre at Curability, the new production, Boxing Day Barbecue, with Eileen Huang, who I interviewed almost two weeks ago. And we were privileged to see this theatre production last Friday. And basically, the storyline is very totally opposite to Jungle Odyssey. It's very white centered. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, about, it's also about a family, but yeah, it's also about on. family, just, of course. Yeah, but just a bit for different, very different. Very dynamic. different, absolutely. And it's about a white family who is gathering together for a, a barbecue on Boxing Day mm-hmm. after one year after the granddad. The you know, the patriarch, patriarch yeah. family passed away, and the dad is uh, the character's name Peter, who is trying to pick up, trying to kind of try to keep that harmonious um, atmosphere to continue that sort of thing for the family. But um, I was actually hoping to see more characters, but this production has only like, five characters, mm-hmm. which is okay as well, yeah. So basically, that the the storyline goes around, you know, family, a white family have this barbecue on Boxing Day and they're trying to just to keep it low-key, but um, the daughter is also trying to tell the dad that she's quitting her job. She's going to be over not overseas but travelling on one of those Greenpeace ships, ships um, to work for a year. Mm. The thing is that the dad is a very... <laughs> Can I say he, he's right wing? He's rather right wing and really yeah, he's concerned what's goddess. going on in the world. And he he's a wine he's a wine merchant or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He talks about a wine during the play as well. Yeah, and the other two characters were Connie, which is the sister of Peter. Yeah, who is a university lecturer who is very opposite yeah left wing very different different to her brother and her estranged husband Morris, who is being portrayed as kind of like a loser a hippie a hippie hippie he's never successed in anything but he's a really kind gentle character throughout the play yeah and finally we come to well, personally, I think it's a highlight. Oh yeah, absolutely. Eileen um, is the highlight. Aileen, the play. Yeah, Eileen who played Val, uh, who is the second wife of Peter. Peter. Yeah, yeah. and she played. I, I don't want to spoil it anyone because I didn't prepare myself to see the kind of character she was going to play in hmm. that production, and you really took me off guard the type of person that she played, and it was yeah. really fun to watch. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. She yeah. had the best one-liners. Yes, she was
0: a cracker. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I think her, um, all the performances were very well, and particularly, of course, what I say about Eileen, her, she gets into character really deeply. You know, and she's she plays a lot of details with her facial expression, her nod, the sign. You know, her body language. I think during the play, during the intermission, you were saying that it's the script is probably. Could have done a little bit better. You were saying that it's a bit didactic, you know, a bit lecture. Oh yeah, there were a
1: lot of there were a lot of. I found it a bit too on the nose
0: mm. and arch
1: when it comes to just like talking about politics. I, I yeah, I found it. Some of the dialogue was a bit too arch for me.
0: Yeah, the monologues about Christmas and the monologues about environmental if It feels like yeah, what, exactly. you know what the politicians say. Yeah, like, I don't,
1: yeah, yeah. I, it was a bit too um, forced, I just have to say, politically forced, like mm-hmm. opposing ideas. Um, yeah, that was a bit too arch for my liking.
0: Mm, yeah. So I think my favorite part will be Eileen's performance. And I think you mentioned the daughter, Jennifer. yeah she was
1: great she was played by an extremely extremely um accomplished actor i really enjoyed the play i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. the play i thought it was funny um i thought clearly it was written by a white male maybe straight I don't know I've never seen anything by I think the playwright's name is Sam Sullivan or something I thought it was just bound to be written by an old white guy but at the end you know we went to the premiere he was standing up at the end he was relatively young young. he looked quite young yeah yeah (laughs) um and I thought about this play for a few days afterwards you know because I was thinking um I was thinking how did he position the female characters against the male characters so we have the main protagonist, the Peter, the patriarch, the now patriarch, who was kind of very um, kind of situated in a way that meant, in a way I felt like it it, it was trying to, he was naturalised in a way because he didn't espouse as many left, like he didn't espouse his political ideas um, kind it, of in the you know, in the with the violence and with the explicitness, yeah, of mm-hmm. the other characters. Mm-hmm. So we had like um Connie, who was clearly left wing. She's an academic, you know, she's a liberal, um, lowercase L. Um, and then we have Jennifer, the young daughter, who is obviously very very left wing, mm-hmm. um, and politically, as uh, she's a Zuma. Uh, actually, Jen, what's after millennial Gen Z? Gen Z. Gen yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Then, um, so we have these three characters, and that and Val, the other woman, female character, who is clearly like, um, being portrayed as like an idiot, basically. She doesn't believe in science, she's a flat earther, she thinks the world is flat. Um, she doesn't think that, the, that, yeah, she's oh a conspiracy God. theorist, you know. She's so she, her character, was the most, I mean, entertaining, but also the most caricatured, I suppose, mm-hmm. and Jennifer, in a sense, as well. I feel like, um. Most of us, um, you know, under 30 might, would probably have friends who are like Jennifer, you know, um, most of us in the West, theater goers basically, mm-hmm. um, I think can identify with a lot of Jennifers.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then um, just the way in which the playwright positioned these three women. And then you have like Peter, like I said, who wasn't explicit with his, didn't explicitly um, articulate his politics. Um, and as a result, I felt like that his politics were naturalised as though that was like the centre, oh. even though I feel like he probably really is rather white ring. I mean, clearly the way he he in which he reacted to his daughter's decision, you know, yeah. says mm-hmm. a lot. And then we have Morris, who was just like this chummy, middle, middle of the road, like, poly- a political guy, seemingly apolitical, who was just obsessed with keeping his bees, yes. you know. And so, like, um, I, I felt like, um, what, what's going on here? You know, I felt like I'm not saying Sam Sullivan, you know, was clearly trying to create some sort of point about differences in gender and politics, but I did query why he made the female characters that way, and then the male mm-hmm. characters kind of like, I mean, the most clearly the most likable character in the play was Morris. We all loved mm-hmm. Morris. All he mm-hmm. wanted to do was keep bees, you know, um, and he wanted his wife back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. It just—I—I've I, been thinking about it. You know, I, I thought about it for many days afterwards, thinking like, what was the reason um, that the playwright casted these characters in this particular way, with these particular characters in this in their genders? You know, mm-hmm. do you, do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I do think that um, at the end of the day, probably Morris will be the person, the character that is most likable throughout the whole production. But at the same time, you can see that his weakness about how he couldn't understand the he couldn't understand why his wife is leaving him. And, you know, his obsession about bees is kind of getting on everyone's nerves. Mm but he's been portrayed. And also, of course, he's a very, he's a brilliant actor. You know, he portrayed a character that is so gentle, but also gave a lot of lines in the sense that, you know, there's a montage at the very end, if anyone's going to see it. That was the most, I think that's a highlight also, the climax. The B, the B yeah, part? part. Yeah, yeah that part was fun. was really fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> instead of Connie doing that, um, lecture. Morris was given to the the part of doing right, yeah. you know, those lines, and where the two women were following him. You know, it's as yeah. if that the woman could not take the central stage to be um be the awakening. Yeah, force exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. it needed
1: to be another guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And whereas yeah. you know, Connie and Eileen were following, following. Yeah, like <laughs> the, very funny. Like the soldiers
1: <laughs> yeah. following the queen bee.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I also I also questioned the ethics of using a absolute one of Australia's worst catastrophes, the bushfires.
0: Oh yeah. To
1: tell a story in through which a man finds enlightenment and acceptance of himself and his family. I, I questioned that. I was like, this is this ethical? Because a lot of people have died in bushfires mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. So for him to have done what he did, which is like stay um mm-hmm. and try and save his father's old youth. I don't know. I don't know. I was a bit I was a bit um if I if I if I spoke to the playwright I would have asked him to
0: to, to explain why explain yeah. the
1: ethics of that. I guess not 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 to like say oh how dare you do this more like what was what, what was, was the narrative yeah. or like um the plot device that you felt that was necessary to use here to, to bring in this, you know, like I said, catastrophe mm-hmm. in Australian yeah. history.
0: I wonder if it's really happened in his personal life. That's one mm. That's one reason. Or second, bushfire is such a, it's such not a normal thing, but it happened. A common in, thing? Uh, a common thing in the past. Right, is that right, yeah. People will re- relate to a very closely, being an Australian, summer, Christmas. Yeah absolutely and yeah, yeah. yeah 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 it is quite yeah. ubiquitous yeah you're right you're right yeah. you're right uh, I, i'm guessing that's the reason and probably will be the i wouldn't say the easiest but people would feel very resonated to it particularly the audience of going to that show um at the same yeah but then yeah it's playing within the very um wealthy area i don't know what it's trying to to portray as in because I don't know where the story was set in. It feels like it's like suburban Melbourne or somewhere. Was yeah, it? yeah. So suburban Sydney, maybe suburban Sydney. I don't know. So the suburbs. City? I don't feel. Yeah, the, the suburbs. suburbs. Very, no, so the setting was off uh, peripheral suburb. Yeah, but yeah. The,
1: the the setting was um spot on. Like the the um, mosquito door. uh, mm-hmm. uh on yeah, the, the screen door, the brick. Yeah, and the brick and the.
0: Backyard. Patio at the back, back.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. It was very well done.
0: Yeah, so overall, yeah. we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, um, I really, um, I I think, um, like you and I, in I think in the last few years we've gotten more and more into theatre mm. um, and I remember um, when the lights dimmed, faded at, at, in the last scene of The Jungle and the Sea, um, I had this feeling in my heart. And in my whole body. And it was like one of sadness and profundity and like moving, kind of just so much feeling in my body. And I remember thinking this is the feeling that I want that uh, like I want to give in the world. L- l- through, through the books I write, hopefully, or through whatever I do. Um, yeah, that's the feeling that I want to give to mm-hmm. other people. Like nothing is more powerful, I think, than creating art in this world. Honestly, yeah. like you can't. Yeah you can't pay me enough to, like, be a finance person or a lawyer or a doctor, like, uh, not not to diss those other professions, but I feel very lucky in that I know for myself what I want to do with my life, which is just to give people these feelings, mm-hmm. you know, these feelings of profound, like, self-questioning your life and the lives of other people, you mm-hmm. know, insights into other people. That There's nothing more powerful than that, I think. And I'm so grateful that we can, you know, we, are, you and I have access to these doors because, you know, um, we we didn't grow up with access to these doors because it costs, you know, two hundred dollars often to to have entry into these through these doors, you know, these hallways. Like I think out of all the political, uh, sorry, or out of all the artistic forms there are, ballet and opera and theater are probably the
0: most inaccessible. To people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't grow up with that, certainly, and also when you're talking about dim lights, that kind of feeling that you get when you've seen a live show, a music concert, even like last night, you know, seeing my own jazz concert, I was really touched. Yeah, and um, particularly because it was a student's performance as well, and yeah, it makes you think more like, oh, it's it gives you, you a little hope. You know within all the shitty stuff happening in the world yeah and, oh the gener- next generation is not doing too bad and yeah, even though they're very privileged again <laughs> yeah, yeah but um yeah it just makes you feel like human you know it makes you feel alive seeing live performance which is yeah. what a lot of people have missed you know in the past almost three years now coming to yeah yeah 2023 yeah yeah exactly Okay, so we'll take a short break. And when we come back, uh, I will just share another recommendation of this week. And then I want to talk about the one of the reviews that have been hotly debated in US theatre circles. Um, It's about K-pop. So we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. Um, one little uh, recommendation that I want to make this week, which is not little, I think it's such a massive show that everyone should go and watch it. Um, I've mentioned it before that Australia, Australian productions don't really get been, you know, given a, enough credit, and one of then this is the same as well. So this little show is called Lake Comers. It's on SBS on demand. It's a short comedy slash drama show about dating life and sexual intimacy experiences for people with disability, which is set in Newcastle. I didn't oh, nice. realize I you like third or fourth episode into the show. Um, the story centers on Sarah and Frank who have um, cerebral palsy and their friends Elliot and Brandy, who are their able-bodied friends. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all short episodes. I believe they have eight or nine episodes, I lost count. We just, because it's so short, they're like 10 minutes each episode and you just, you can watch it within a day. They're very raw and very intimacy. Um, There's a lot of explorations into the sexual desire, intimacies of uh, people with disabilities. And they also talked about, they also put, they also depicted a lot of like dating as a young person, the complexity about, you know, you're not sure whether or not you should cross that, uh, go across that barrier, and a lot of things that we as able-bodied people take for granted. Yeah, you see very well done through this show that it shows on the perspectives of people with disabled, disability. Yeah, and a lot of complexity of intersectionality with people's choices of who they can love or cannot or who they want to love or not. Yeah, and there's a, a part which I found quite funny was that sometimes with people with disability, we have sympathy for them, but they are also, the character Frank, the male character Frank with cerebral palsy, he mm-hmm. was depicted as a um, very not so much incel but he's really he's an he he's almost like he had the lines of an alpha male as well oh yeah yeah so it 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 felt a bit complicated because you want to feel i don't want to say you feel sorry for him but at the same time he gets back to you by saying really sexist stuff Uh uh-huh yeah. so, uh, yeah, it was really fun to watch. I, I think you mentioned that you start watching it or you haven't started watching I haven't, it? no, but I really need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can finish it within like an hour or so. It's a really fun mm-hmm. show to watch. And I highly recommend it for everyone to watch, not just for the sake of the hot bodies, the able body people, but really just you watch it for the from the perspective of people with disability and you feel for them. Like, it's like everyone needs love. You know, yeah, of course. You shouldn't erase them and you shouldn't think that, oh, because they're with dis they are with disability and they can only belong in a certain community. It should be open for everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so Hannah Devine I think is the Mm -hmm. a lead actor, um, and she's a disability activist. Um and um one of the other the able-bodied carer the hot dude with the long hair long curly hair
0: yeah he um oh is he here i
1: we watched him first helen in um single asian female do you remember that
0: oh i oh you went to see that did i okay yeah you didn't didn't, go see that okay he was 100 penis as well yeah
1: yeah yeah. he was in there and um yeah he was everyone was just googling him Mm. because he's like go go igling him because He's he was hot so now. <laughs> hot, he's so handsome, yeah. And yeah, I remember seeing him at a rally, I think, what was it, okay. the women's rally last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a very unique, distinctive look. You can't, yeah, you him from yeah. a mile away because he's yeah. so, he, he has like, he's, I feel like he's mixed race or is he in indigenous or something?
0: No, I, I, something, I don't want to comment on his looks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think. Yeah, he, he. I'll
1: comment on his he, looks all the all, all, all episode. He really, five he really stands he's, out.
0: He really yeah, he's so out. hot. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, and his name we don't even know.
0: <laughs> Objectifying <laughs> men. We'll, we'll look it up and we'll put it on our channel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another thing that happened um, the past two weeks or so that was hotly debated in the entertainment circle, you know, in New York. I don't know if it's wholly debated in our listeners, you know, <laughs> um, readers. But um, I've read so New York Times review, uh, their regular review on theaters, uh, Broadway production, and this critic Jesse Jesse Green. With a if the the name is ending with an e, is it Jesse or just Jess?
1: Of course, it's Jesse.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Jesse Green, he yeah. a did a review, a white male. Yeah. He's not familiar with K pop. Um, wrote a review about K pop, the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So he came out overall. It's, you know, depends on how you perceive it, but a lot of people think it's a negative review. He criticized on the lighting, um, which is the um, part that a lot of people, especially Asian Americans, said that it's a bit of casual racism. He used the term squint inducing. Like it's so bright, you had to squint. Oh, okay. So the eyes, you know, referring to Asian with you know thick eyes. Yeah, yeah. um, Upsetted a lot of uh, the production crews that they took onto the new uh, social media to vent about this review. But I, I have seen others say, "Oh, it was okay." You know, squint. Mm -hmm. You think there's nothing wrong about it. He also criticized the story. He also criticized the song, the lyrics. Um. I, I'm guessing that the show is probably more of like a concert theme rather than a convention, conventional music show,
1: yeah,
0: um, which ties closer to acting and performance. So it got me thinking about you know the problem of having someone who is not familiar with a genre. Um, in this case, the K-pop but holds the power to do the review which can impact the show because yeah, absolutely. the result is that the K-Pop Broadway show has to have to close abruptly after only open for 2 weeks.
1: Yeah.
0: They only had 44 previews and 70 regular shows. Mm. I'm not quite sure if it's the ticket sales but people did say that the review stopped a lot of people's, you know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. These these critics the have show. a lot of power, especially mm-hmm. when you're a New York Times critic.
0: Mm-hmm. You probably have the most power. Yeah, yeah. New York it's Times big, and the New York Times. Yeah. I mean, Broadway is still a very white-centric um, yeah. focus. You know, the the production is still very white-centric. So K-pop, it was such a phenomenon that they can push onto the stage for Broadway. So I was just wondering whether or not that it was because that it is a very white-centric system and when white people think, oh, it's K-pop, we don't understand it, I i can't be bothered to go and see it. And also you think about Asian-Americans, again, Asian-Americans, we, you know, the similarity between us is that we would not grow up being, going to that kind of shows. Obviously, Asian-Americans will probably not be spending a lot of money to go and see a Broadway show. So I guess I'm not quite sure if it's a combination that resulted uh, the poor ticker sales, or and you know on top of that this poor review. What do you think? Mm. Um, what what's your question? Oh, I was just thinking that. What do you think that the review had a lot of impact, or is oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Americans don't go to see this show. Oh, it could be. The I white guess people don't go a of, to see K-pop. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I guess it's a bit of both. Mm. Um. Also, I feel as though you're questioning. Um. Your your kind of, I'm hearing what you're saying as. You're trying to figure out how you, how we can move forward in the theater world and be more mm-hmm. diverse when there's a set of group of people here in this case uh, K-pop you know Koreans who have made art that are true to their values and um, here comes along a white male um, authority figure I guess um, yeah. which we can say clearly because he's a theater he's a New York Times theater reviewer. And he has put on his values and what he has been taught and what he has learned as, like, good, what good theatre looks like or what good musical theatre looks like. And he's implemented his criteria onto these mm. sets of um, – onto this uh, show. And because it doesn't tick his boxes, he's given it a negative review. Mm. Like, um, negative reviews are um, happen all the time, um, I guess – what I think I'm hearing as though the problem with this review is that he has written it in a way in which um, he hasn't been aware of his blind spots Mm -hmm. and um, that's what people are um, upset about. Is that right?
0: Yeah I think just basically he doesn't understand the concept of k-pop at all and he was given the job to review this this production. I mean he brought it a lot and Personally, I would think it's a negative review. And from what I see... But there's nothing wrong with a negative review. There's nothing know? wrong with a negative yeah, review.
1: so what do you have trouble with exactly?
0: I think it's because I haven't seen the show, so I can't be a person right. yeah, 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 to yeah. decide whether or not that, you know, the show is, at the end of the day, is it really bad or is it really good? But um, the problem is that there's not enough review or oh, there's not enough power, powerful review to... Um, counter
1: his review.
0: Yeah, to counter his review or give a justice to this production. Yeah. So so do, so are there any other reviews? or is, it, is I haven't looked one? it up. I think oh, okay. um, people only start talking about it. Now it's closed and how are you going to review it? Right, 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 right. No right, one's right, going right. gotcha. to get back to this reviewer and saying that, you know, what you say is wrong. And know so. Review is very subjective, again. You know, like yeah. you said, everyone has a standard of what they see and what they perceive. Yeah. And if someone's not familiar with this genre, yeah. art, they'll probably, yeah, it, his review, to me, he's just, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get the whole fuss about K-pop.
1: Yeah. And, and also, do you want to mention his, word of the word, his use of the word cute and how problematic that might be?
0: Yeah, the use of cuteness, it's also, you know, juvenile Asians, and, you know, it's also patronising, kind of looking up from his position of power, saying, oh, yeah, it's cute. And I'm just trying to look through his article now, but I couldn't really find the quote. But um, I feel like after reading his review, just doesn't seem like to me he's familiar with K-pop and... New York Times could have sent someone who is familiar with the
1: right right is it
0: genre, you know. Yeah, it yep. I mean, if it's The Journalist is not a review or a theatre review, at least they can send someone who is familiar with the genre to go and see the show and write a bit more. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's anything positive at all in this review.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. mm. Okay, anything else? For um,
1: no, no, I... um. Yeah, we've talked a lot about theatre this um, this episode, so it's a medium that I'm still kind of trying to come to terms with. Like, I've always enjoyed it. I find it so riveting. It's mm. so alive and real in front of you. Um, but the question of who gets to tell you, who gets to say what's good and what's not, is mm. always going to be, you know, a problematic um, issue. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's those people who, um, speak to the larger audience um, who are going to get most the highest degree of kudos, you know, mm. and power, and that will inevitably be, you know, just your typical run of the mill private school educated um, male or uh, sorry white person. Sometimes male, sometimes female, but yeah, um, you know, it's in the Western uh, world, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's politics. It's it's an economic system that serves. Mm. You know, let's let's. If you want to go, you know, deep into it, you know, you have, you, you look at who who's who's writing these plays, who's um, funding these plays, who's getting the chance to go to acting school to perform in these plays, you know, all that. Um, I believe that this K-pop show was uh, entirely Asian cast. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, yep.
0: I believe. Oh, I think the technical teams they will probably have white mm. mm-hmm. you know, white people crews, but um, the the cast are entirely Asian or part, at least part Asian, like yep. half, yeah, By ratios yeah. yeah
1: but. Well, I'm I'm very disappointed that and, you know, um, reviewers have so much power and that this show, not to blame Jesse Green for its closure, you know, but that this show has closed and, uh, but that is like that is how the world works, I guess. I, I I've heard this. I don't know how much truth there is, but a good review can make or break a show. So um, that's yeah. unfortunately what has happened to you.
0: Yeah, reviewers has a lot of power. That's why we need to have diversity in reviews as well. Mm,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. People who them. can, yeah, yeah, um, see what I guess the majority cannot see yeah. and the subtle
0: messages, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true okay so that's the end of our episode remember to subscribe to our po- uh, podcast on spotify google and apple and give us a five star rating if you would like to support us what we do here at asian beaches down under head to buy me coffee page to make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality for co- po- in the podcast industry so that's it from us this week and we'll speak to you next time stay safe everyone have a good christmas and we'll talk to you next week Bye.